Today we're going to continue in a series called Waiting on the Lord. So if you have your Bible, you can go to Isaiah, pardon me, Isaiah 40 and Luke chapter 8. Isaiah 40 and Luke chapter 8. Just, uh, and uh, if you have the Bible app, and I, I hope that most of you do, a lot of you are doing the reading program with us that we're doing over this whole summer called Same Page Summer. We are reading through the whole New Testament over the summer. We're doing that really at the leadership of the Lord, and God is, is equipping us and making us ready for Him moving supernaturally. How many of you know that God is moving supernaturally in lives, that many people in this hour are experiencing God? And over a year ago, I had, I had that, uh, an encounter with God, uh, you know, really that speaks to what we're experiencing right here in this moment. But if you do have that Bible app, all of our, all of our sermon notes go on the Bible app every week. And so you can launch it there. It's there as a live event. You can go to Calvary.online, click today's message. It'll come right up on your phone. All of my sermon notes will be in there, and you can add your own notes and keep them in your phone if you like. Or... Pen and notepad works, okay? That still, that still works. And so we're doing this series called Waiting on the Lord because a little over a year ago, I was asking the Lord, Lord, show me what 2021 is going to look like. I was like, Lord, if it's going to look like 2020, God, you, you got to help us prepare. You got to help us get ready for, for, for that year and show us how to lead in that kind of environment. But uh, what the Lord showed me was like a picture dropped before me. I saw a charred landscape. It looked like a land that a wildfire had gone over. And then suddenly a rumbling began to happen from under the ground and these green shoots, this new life began to spring forth. And immediately in my heart I knew, wow, 2021 is going to be a year of renewal. And I said, Lord, show me the scripture that goes along with what you're showing me. And it was in Isaiah 40. And this is really what this whole sermon series is wrapped around. And it's simply this verse. It says, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Aren't you glad that there is a strong God who is interested in weak people? I'm telling you, we've got a God who sees us in our weakness, and he's not wagging his finger at us. He's saying, oh, just come here, son, daughter. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to renew you, but you just need to simply wait on me. And what the Lord said was, he says, it's going to be marked by these three things. He says, they will mount up on wings as eagles. What does that mean? When an eagle mounts up on, on wings, it doesn't mean he's flapping his wings. He's simply spreading his wings, and the wind that is blowing lifts him to places he doesn't have to strive to get to. And I believe that's what we're seeing now, a move of God's Spirit that's carrying us to a new place as a church, a place of being a voice and a light in a dark time that God is lifting us by his spirit. It also says that we will run and not grow weary. Running isn't what you do all the time, but it is what you do some of the time when the, when the gun goes off and you hear that glorious sound of an invitation to have a divine appointment with somebody. Anybody ever had a divine appointment that wasn't in your appointment book? It was on God's appointment book, but, it, but it, you know, what, what the Lord said to me is that you're going to have some divine appointments this year where you are going to be able to run into those divine appointments and keep them, where you know it's God, he's leading you. And there you are saying what God is telling you to say, loving the way God is telling you to love, and reaching and seeing results. And then he said this, he says, it says, and they will walk 
and not faint. And, and what I begin to understand that God this year, 2021, was going to release an uncommon steadfast spirit. That means this, that the church overall has been on a roller coaster. Lots of ups, lots of downs, lots of ins, lots of out. We attend for a while, we're doing good. We treat, we treat Christianity a lot like New Year's Day. We got a resolution to serve God but we don't need a resolution to serve God. We need a revolution, a revolution in who we are, a complete takeover of the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our life. And what the Lord said is, I'm going to release a steadfast spirit, and the church is going to grow and walk with me in, in, a, in, in just beautiful success. And they're not going to faint. They're not going to give up. And I see this happening in families. I see this happening in children and young people. People walking in what God has for us. And as I was, the Lord was reminding me of this uh, just a few weeks ago. He said these words. He, he showed me that picture again. He says, this has begun. And as I heard that in my spirit, he says, in this time, you need to focus on the seed, the soil, the soaking, and the sun. Just really fast, too fast for me to think about it. It came like a flood, a river. Focus on the seed, the soil, the soaking, and the sun. And we, for the past few weeks, have been focusing on the seed. The seed is the word of God. We know that from the parable of the sower. And if you haven't been uh, just tracking with us, listen. And all of these sermons are available at calvary.online. Just go there and listen and be encouraged and be strengthened because I believe God's going to fast forward some people and we're going to catch up and we're going to be running at the same pace. We're going to be running together. We're going to be seeing, listen, July 3rd, people think they're coming to Inverness just to see fireworks. But I'm going to tell you, they're going to see some people who have been set on fire by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we're simply going to give a glass of cold water in Jesus' name, and you watch how he changes lives. In this hour, it's going to be supernatural, like I was just given a bottle of water, and someone gave their whole life to Christ. I'm telling you, this is what God is doing. So we've been focusing on the seed, so we're going to take some time, though, to make sure that we tend the soil. And we're going to take a, 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 a look at the soil of our heart. You see, the soil is really our heart. We're going to look at Luke chapter 8 and this parable of the sower, and we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to say, I want you to do some work in me. I want you to do something in me that makes me more effective in this hour where you're moving. And it could be that you're here today and you might find yourself in this story. And I want to tell you, all of us have found ourselves in this story. If you know Christ, you found yourself in this story. And if God speaks to you today, respond to what he is inviting you into. Luke chapter 8, we're going to begin in verse 5. This is where Jesus begins to explain the parable of the sower. If you don't know what a parable is, a parable is an allegorical story with a spiritual truth behind it. And so Jesus begins to teach this parable of the sower. By the way, you need to know this. The parable of the sower, Jesus says, if you don't understand this one, you won't understand all the rest. 
So this one is kind of like the tip of the spear when it comes to a spiritual understanding. So this one is really, really important. And so we're going to spend some time on this over the next couple of weeks. Verse 5 begins this way. It says, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering his seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil. There it is. The good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, what happens next is he's got a, a bunch of confused fishermen, zealots, former tax collectors going, why is Jesus teaching all of these people about gardening? If you were just part of the crowd that day, this would have been the message you got and the sermon would have ended. But you need to know this. This is a spiritual truth. Disciples get special teaching. Did you know that? When you are born again, you get special teaching because the disciples come and they say, uh, can you tell us what that means? And because of their proximity, because they were close to Christ, he then gives them a full understanding. So I want to tell you, there is a benefit of, of being in an intimate relationship with Jesus. There is understanding that is connected to your intimacy with Christ. He said, others, they just heard gardening. But God has a deeper truth to reveal when he began to explain it to them in verse, verse 12 is an explanation of verse 5. And we're going to uh, look at verse 5 really again this week. Jesus said these words in explaining verse 5. He says, those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Uh, there's a couple of things that we're going to look at intently here. But I want you to understand, first of all, as something that governs the way that you view God is this. God is good. And he declares his goodness in the very beginning of this passage. It says, a farmer went out to sow his seed and he scattered it even on the path, the wayside, the place where no one expected growth. Now, you and I, we think of farming a little differently. We, we, nowadays, we, we, we tend a field first, and then you come with seed. In this day, they didn't do that. They would actually scatter the seed first and then toil it and turn the seed in. So they did it in an opposite way. 
So what you need to understand about God is God is scattering the life-changing seed of the word of God to everyone. Why would he do that? Because he is so good and wants no one to perish. You say even that, that murderer, even the murderer, even the rapist, the one that's gone too far, that betrayer, that one that left you, the one that you can't stand at work, even that one. Even that one, he's scattering seed. Why? Because he's good. Aren't you glad he's better than you? He's good, and he's not willing that any should perish. But we need to take a close look at this. This verse 5, which says this. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. I want you to understand something today. There are two principles here that are that are found in this one verse which exposes the scheme of the enemy, which actually exposes a plan of the enemy. That if he can keep us walking in these two ideas that I'm going to share with you from verse 5, we can be vulnerable to his attack. When I read this uh, with fresh eyes recently, I, I read it and I'm like, why is Satan allowed to come and snatch away this word? And it's very simple. It's because there was an open door. Two of them. He was given permission because of these two ideas. And if I were to sum it up in one word, it was this. This soil describes a self-centered heart. It's a self-centered heart. And there's two symptoms that, are, that go along with this from verse 5. And both of these conditions make you vulnerable to Satan. First thing is they are focused on my path. If you have a self-centered heart, you are focused on my path. It says, it fell by the wayside. The wayside was a walking place. It wasn't a place that anybody just stood. It was a place that was supposed to take you from one location to another. These paths went through all of the fields. And so, so that you're not walking in the middle of everything that is being tended and carrying seeds from weeds into the field. No, there was a walking path. And this, this wayside, this path was peaceful. People saying, I am going from here to there, and nothing better get in my way. I think a, a great modern picture of this is found on the way to Universal Studios. You park your car, you pay $25 to park your car. What a racket. You get out, and then suddenly you come along to these people movers. And they're like flat escalators. And they make you feel like a superhero before you even get into the park. There are all these weirdos who just choose to walk on the regular sidewalk, and then there's you. And just with regular pace, you're like, yes, yes. And then occasionally some numbskull gets on the thing and doesn't move. 
and you're like, what is wrong with this person? Don't they know? You've got to be out of the way. Well, when this wayside is mentioned, it has that idea. This isn't a place I'm stopping. This is a place I'm just coming through. They're focused on their plan. It says, I'm going from here to there. I have my plan. And if there was one word that could, you could wrap around uh, this, this kind of symptom, it would be this, ignorance. Ignorance. Now, I know that when I say the word ig- ignorant, you probably think of it as an insult. But that's not actually what it means. It means that you just simply don't know. When you're ignorant, you just don't know. And here are these people on the path, and here's this word, this life-changing word, this eternal transformation that is offered, and they're just on that path. I'm going on my path. I'm going on my plan. And I am totally ignorant, and I just don't know what's being offered or who is offering it. You see... Lots of us think, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just planning out my life. I'm just trying to live my plan. You know, I'm just trying to stay out of trouble and I want to have a job and a semi-successful life and live in a little bit of peace and, uh, you know, live in Florida where there's still a little bit of freedom and just got my plan. And I want to say that a lot of people live that way. No idea what God is saying or doing. No idea of letting him influence in their life. They're just going to, I'm just living my plan. And they kind of say, would, would say things like, that. yeah, eternity, yeah, I know it's coming, but I kind of feel like if I do a little more good than bad, I'll be just fine. And I, would, I just want to tell everybody here, that's ignorance, because nobody gets to heaven because of the good that they have done. The only reason any of us get to heaven is because of the good that Christ did for us on the cross. That's the only reason. And truth be told, we, we have these plans. And we feel like it's good, it's okay, it's better, I'm not in trouble, I'm not doing this or that. But Proverbs 14 and 16 repeats the same verse twice. Proverbs 14 says it this way, There is a way, a path, that seems right to man, but its end is death. It's spiritual death. It's spiritual separation for God. It is like, I'm going on my path, and I'm just, I'm, I'm ignorant to the truth. I don't know. Matthew 13, and Matthew's explanation that Jesus gives, Matthew gives a, a little more insight into the parable of the sower. It says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. He was saying, listen, that person that hears and doesn't know, that person gets the seed snatched. Listen, and if I could say this to those who are under the sound of my voice here and those who are watching online, if you only knew the love of God, you would surrender right now. You wouldn't wait till the end of the sermon if you only knew how much he loved you. If you only knew the mercy of God. You say, how much mercy does he have? Oh, my Bible says he is rich in mercy. 
Oh, if you only knew the grace of God, that is when he gives you something you don't deserve. You're like, oh, if I only knew. If you only knew the forgiveness of God, the Son of God, the Spirit of God, if you only knew that He's a creator, a savior, a healer, deliverer, comforter, advocate, friend, restorer, renewer, and redeemer, if you only knew, you would abandon the path. You'd let it go. But there's something else that goes along. In this story of this self-centered heart, it's not just ignorance, but there is also a focus on the pace. There's a focus on the pace, and notice what it says. It's, it, the seed is sown on the wayside, but it is what? Trampled underfoot. It's trampled. The seed of the word of God is trampled underfoot. And if I were to say that there is a word that, that somehow would wrap up this attitude of heart, it is indifference. And if there is uh, uh, something that is more rampant than COVID-19 in our nation, it would be indifference toward God, indifference toward his love, his mercy, indifference to say, I don't really care. I don't really know. I'm not really paying attention. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned with the pace of my life, this, this, this pace that I want to keep. And they trample the word of God. Indifference to the word of God is trampling the word of God. Now, when I was reading this again and studying for this, that word leapt off the page to me. And, and I personally never really studied that word. But when I did, it was like my eyes were opened to a truth from Hebrews chapter 10. You see this idea of indifference toward God? is written about with this same word about trampling. Hebrews 10.29 says this, Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has what? Trampled the Son of God underfoot. Counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace. He's saying, listen, how much more judgment should be aimed at those who what? Trample the son of God underfoot. Do you know what Jesus is called in John chapter one? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 12, and the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So when it says you're trampling Jesus underfoot, what are you trampling? The seed of the word of God. I'm indifferent to it. I'm indifferent to his sacrifice. I'm indifferent toward his love. I'm indifferent toward it because why? My heart is self-centered. I'm focused on my path and I'm focused on my pace. And notice this. When we trample the seed, Satan, listen to me, Satan comes and consumes the seed. 
If you read the parable of the sower, there's only one kind of heart condition that Satan is mentioned and connected to, and it is this one. This self-centered heart is an invitation for, for Satan to come and to steal away what God wants to bless you with. It's an invitation when you're self-centered. But did you know that our true calling is much different? Our true calling isn't to be uh, indifferent toward the things of God. Our true calling is not to trample God's word underfoot, to trample Christ underfoot, but to actually esteem him. And it's very interesting language that Satan comes and consumes the seed. Because the very first time we find out God's calling for us and the gospel is way back in Genesis. Theologians call this the great proto-evangelium. I promise you'll never have to say that word ever. But this was the first time where God announces the plan of the gospel. It's in Genesis chapter 3, and this is what it says, and here we find our calling. It says, so the Lord says to the serpent after he's deceived Adam and Eve... Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I just want to push pause. What are you made out of? Dust. I want to let you know. I want everybody to know this. Satan is not. God's enemy. God has no equal, therefore he has no enemy. When pride entered into Satan's heart, he fell like lightning out of heaven, thrust to the earth. There's no competition there, but let me tell you, he is your enemy. He is your enemy. And God was saying, I know all the days of your life you're going to be crawling on this earth seeking to devour people. You're going to go around eating dust all the days of your life. And listen to this. He says, but I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. Between your seed and her seed. Notice that's capitalized. Because that's speaking of Jesus. He shall bruise your head. And you shall bruise his heel. Wait a minute. What is the connection between the head and the heel. Here's the thing. Those with a self-centered heart trample the word of God and are consumed by the serpent. But those who receive the word of God, they walk in victory over Satan. And as the body of Christ, we deal a crushing blow over and over as we walk in the truth of God's word. He may bruise our heel. We may have to go through some things. But we will live in the truth that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Oh, I'm not worried about any demon. Why? Why? I bear his name. Oh, my Bible tells me that every knee will bow, whether in heaven, on earth, or where? Under the earth. They will all bow at the name of Jesus. So if a demon ever does try to show up, I don't get 
I tell you what, I don't get afraid. I get spunky. <laughs> but I don't get afraid. I don't get afraid. Why? Because my calling is to stomp on Satan. Why? Because I'm not going to trample the seed of the word of God by living with a self-centered heart. I'm going to live in victory. You see, when you trample God's word, Satan can steal from you. But when you receive God's word, you can trample Satan. All right, let's just finish with asking this question. All right, pastor, how do I deal with a self-centered heart? Now, you need to know this about the parable of sower. Because we think this sometimes is just talking about four different kinds of people. And I believe it is. I believe it does talk about four different kinds of, of, of people, perhaps four different conditions of the heart. But I actually submit to you that the parable of the sower not only describes people, but seasons. And truth be told, you will probably live all four if you endeavor to follow God. And you may find yourself in a moment where right now you're, you, you were like, man, I, I realize I'm a believer in Christ, but I see some self-centered stuff showing up in me. I see some clinging to my path and my pace and not letting go and allowing God to lead me. I recognize that. Or you could be that one that says, no, I just really didn't want to invite God into my life. I was just, I was just passing through, doing my thing. How do you deal with a self-centered heart? How do you heal it? There's only one way. Give it away. Give it away. You just give away a self-centered heart. You just say this, I'm done with my path and my pace. Jesus, I give it to you. I, uh, <coughs> I can remember years ago when I had a, a powerful encounter with God and many of you have heard that testimony of how uh, I, I, I didn't have my encounter with God in a nice, neat church with rows and worship. I had an encounter with God in a restaurant, publicly. And some of you get to fold your hands, bow your head, make your decision, and few know, not my story. A woman I didn't know prophesied and said, I don't know you, but this is what God says. You have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. You are lukewarm and God's about to spit you out of his mouth. Choose this day whom, whom you will serve. It's as if she heard the thoughts I was thinking as I was driving to the restaurant. When she uttered the words, I promise you the power of God fell on me. And I begin to tremble and shake under a tangible presence of God. At a table for 25. Some of you try to, you see, that's why I don't care about what people think because God didn't let me care in the beginning. 
he ripped that away from me. But here's what happened. Here's what happened. The only thing, I didn't have theology for that kind of encounter with God. Okay, I didn't know that, that God could come in such power that your flesh responds. I didn't know. I, I didn't come from that kind of a background. All I knew is now his power and conviction and reality were so close. My body was shaking as if I had been hooked up to 220. And the only thing I could utter were prayers of generosity. It's the only thing I could say. And, and I remember I'm, I'm weeping. I couldn't eat. I couldn't respond. I don't even know if somebody paid for my check. hope they did. I'll send an offering to Bob Evans one day. And I'm, I'm, I'm in the parking lot. I'm weeping. And I'm shaking. And I recognize God's on my life. And I'm these these prayers of generosity start flying out of my mouth. They said, God, if you want my job, I give you my job. Out loud, screaming in the parking lot. I look like a lunatic. <laughs> crying. I said, God, if you want my car, it's parked right there. Little red Mitsubishi Eclipse. It's like, yeah, I bought it brand new off the lot. Because I made a deal with God. I'm like, God, I'm single and ready to mingle. But this old car, it ain't going to happen in that car. I got to get a different car. So I got the car. And I got a Mitsubishi Eclipse. I had plans. You know why? It's got a back seat, but I'm tall. I just got to move that thing back. Nobody else can fit in there. Single, ready to mingle. I met my wife, and a pig came out and scratched the car on our first date. Anyways. That's another story. <laughs> but I said, God, I'll give you my car. And then in that, in that moment, 21 years old, power of God on me, and I'm in a parking lot. I have no idea what's happening. These prayers of generosity flying out of me. I said, God, I'll give you what's been most precious to me, my friends. The ones I've been closest to, the ones I've run with. I'll give you my friends. I got in that car. The power of God's still resting on me. I'm weeping. My sister had given her life to, to the Lord a few months before. I arrived at her house. She said, what's happening to you? I said, I don't know, but it's God. Do you know that over the years, those prayers prayed in the seconds in that parking lot, God came systematically and said, remember how you said you'd give me your job? I'll take it. Now's the time. I remember the day when God said, you remember when you said you'd give me the car? I said, yeah. He goes, I'll take it. Had me give it to a young man that I did not know at the time. Still to this day, this man is in ministry. Young man, he came out of a gang life. God radically changed his life. But God, it's like saw him in his hour of need. And listen, God did not have another car lined up for me. We had a family, two cars. God said, give one away. It was over a year that we lived with one car. God said, I'll take it. When God said, I, I want you to give me your friends, 
That was the first one. The next day, I was supposed to move in with some friends, and they were <clears throat> lettuce salesmen. <laughs> some of you will catch on. Uh, and I knew that I couldn't live with them in that environment and live for God. For the next six months, I felt pretty lonely. I did. But about six months later, at about the same time, God had radically transformed another, it was a friend of a friend. And he put us two together. He goes, I got this other friend that's talking a lot like you. You two should meet. I said, okay. We met together. We talked the whole time. Forgot about our friend who was sitting at the same table. <laughs> We've been lifelong friends ever since and, and really making a difference for the kingdom ever since. And I, I, I just want to tell you, it was a heart and prayer of generosity that took me off a self-centered path that allowed the word of God, which I had heard from a young person, to actually bear fruit in my life. I had to give it away. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I, I want one verse where you put this whole thing together. I want to see Satan. I want to see surrender. I want to see victory. Can you put it together for me just in one verse so it's just real plain for everybody? He said, sure, James 4, 7. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He said, you give your heart to God. Submit to God. You resist the devil. Say, no, I'm living for God's plan in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm living his pace for my life. And here's what it says. The devil will run from you. He will run from you. You say, well, how do I do it? I want to make it real plain to everybody here. If you're here and you've been like that person who's been doing their path, their pace. Here it is. Perhaps you've heard this this verse many times. Today, I'm praying that this seed would land on your heart and bear fruit. It says this from Romans 10, 9, and 11, that if you confess with your mouth that the, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. That's how you give it away. You repent. You say, God, I'm sorry. I've missed it. I messed up. And right now, I believe that Jesus, you came to pay the price for those sins. And right now, with my mouth and with my life, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. Here's what the Bible says. You will be saved. You will be saved. Look at me, church. You will be saved. Look at me, doubter, seeker today. You will be saved. The word will work. It's powerful when it's received with humility and meekness. It'll work. Listen to me, online audience. You will be saved. 
when you receive the seed of the word of God, this truth that Jesus died for you, and that if you repent and believe that he was the sacrifice made on your behalf, and you give him your life, you will be born again.